All right. Good morning, church. Glad to be here. Glad to see you. About a month ago, I had the honor and privilege to teach at a school of missions and church planning in Tennessee. I was invited to come down, uh, same school that we do in Mexico, but we do, did it in, in Tennessee. And I thought, wow, I have to drive to Tennessee. I think I'll take my motorcycle. And so I rode uh, my motorcycle to Tennessee. It's about 600 miles. I was going to do it in two days. But there was a storm the first day. And so I had to do the full, almost 600 miles, 10-hour ride in one day. It was not comfortable, let me tell you. Um, Now, obviously, we all know that it's safest to wear a helmet when you're riding a motorcycle. But in Michigan, it's not the law, and unless it's cold, raining, or dark, I normally don't uh, wear a helmet. (laughs) I knew that Indiana, I knew that Indiana uh, did not require a helmet, so I'm blowing through Indiana, and I cross over to, coming up to the border of Ohio, pulled the bike off the road, pulled out, Googled Ohio helmet law, not required, glory. Riding through Ohio, get to the Kentucky border, pull off the road, Kentucky helmet law. No helmet? Yes. Riding through Kentucky, get to the uh, Tennessee border, and I'm thinking, it's Tennessee. I mean, they're not going to require a helmet in Tennessee. They don't in Kentucky. Tennessee helmet law? Absolutely no exceptions. Helmets must be worn at all time by all people. You know, I didn't take me one second to consider whether or not I was going to wear a helmet. I, I wore the helmet from then on the whole time I was in Tennessee, and it was one, uh, a couple of days, it was close to 100 degrees, and it's very, very uncomfortable. Well, um, they've changed the executive order in Michigan requiring that all people inside a public building must wear a mask at all times, unless you are addressing public speaking like I'm doing now, or leading in song like the worship leaders uh, have done. And um, as a church, we are going to abide by that law. Uh, It's effective tomorrow for businesses. So next weekend here at Vine and Vandalia, if you're in the building, you are required to wear a mask unless you're speaking or leading a song from the stage. This includes before, during, and after the... um, the meeting, if you don't want to wear a mask, go outside to fellowship, or if you don't want to wear a mask, uh, you can participate, that we're going to continue live streaming, um, and uh, you, can, uh, you can, I'm grateful and joyful that they are not restricting private gatherings, and so you can have a watch party, and so if you want to have family or friends over to watch the live stream and still have that fellowship, you can do so from your home, but in the public space, we're requiring a mask. And just to be very clear about this, in Michigan, unlike most states and other countries, and I've been in conversation with many pastors, um, in Michigan, the laws uh, have exempted churches. So technically, we would be exempt from the penalty, um, but I felt before God, and I wrestled with this for uh, quite a long time, that this is something we need to do. There's something on this church And so as pastor of the church, I am requiring this. And so if you have a problem submitting to the government, uh, that's not what you're doing. When you gather in this building or in any New Day community church, um, you are submitting to the uh, authority that God has invested in me as pastor. And I just think this is wisdom. 
And let's be prayerful that this um, ends soon. It's a small price to pay uh, to wear a mask. And um, uh, I don't like it. Many people don't. Uh, I don't even enter into the issue of whether it's effective. To me, the political and even the medical uh, issues are not factored into it. It's before God, I feel it's the right thing to do. And so that, that's what we're going to do until this passes. And let's pray it passes quickly. Amen? All right. We want to continue the series, New Day Flavor. We're talking about community. And um, clicker, click, clicker, click. There we go. Community. It's part of our name. These are some of the things that sets us apart as a church or things that we emphasize. Of course, all churches share a lot of these same things. But these are, these are the things we want to make sure that we, we nail it. And community is one of them. And, and actually, New Day Community Church, um, when uh, God led me to change the name, the word community was the one part that I felt was from God. Like whatever name it is, have the word community in it. And uh, we're going to see uh, in today's message that community was the prayer of Jesus. It was the practice of the early church, and it is our position in Christ. And all three of those things are super important. We're going to start by reading through John 17. This is the high priestly prayer, a segment of what's called, considered the priestly prayer of Christ, where Jesus is talking to the Father. There's only a few places in Scripture where we have this inter-Trinity communication. And these, these are special uh, portions of Scripture that I believe uh, communicate the heart of God in a, a deeper way. And so this is Jesus, God the Son, speaking to God the Father. And he says, I do not pray for these alone, the disciples that were with him at the time, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Hey, that's you and me. Wow, Jesus prayed for you, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Notice he's repeating this word, one, one, one. It's unity, it's community. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This was the prayer of Jesus, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us. Jesus' prayer, think about this. Stop, please, take a minute and let your brain process through the implications of this idea. His prayer was that we would experience the same level of unity and community that he experiences in the Trinity. We share in this attribute of God when we live in community. How many believe that Jesus' prayers have the power to be answered? Right? How many want to experience? How many want to be more like God? That's why we're. That's why we're Christ followers. This is a big part of it. And being joined to a local congregation is an essential way we fulfill Jesus's prayer. In fact, it's impossible to fulfill this prayer if you live in isolation. Last week, 
I talked about the bride of Christ and how as an individual Christian, you are not the bride of Christ. You can't be the bride of Christ as an individual Christian because the bride of Christ refers to the church, the whole of all Christians worldwide throughout the ages that have confessed Christ Jesus as Lord and follow him with all their hearts. That's the bride of Christ. We become part of the bride of Christ. But apart, if we're not part of the church, we're not part of the bride. Okay. In the same way, it's impossible to fulfill this prayer if we live in isolation. And he goes on, he says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Our unity is the most effective form of evangelism. Maybe that's why the enemy and the world put so much effort into breaking down the unity of the church, into breaking down the unity between believers into causing division and strife between members of a local church, in causing division and strife between this church and that church, or this segment of the church and that segment of the church. Why is, there so, why is that so hard? Because it's so important. It's so essential to the uh, call that we are to be uh, the witness of Jesus. Uh, and when Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, the word that he uses, witness there, is the word martos in the Greek, from which we get martyr. Right? He compared living as a witness to Jesus, when as, as, and living in community is the witness that, that we witness to the world, means that we're willing to die for this. Right? And any disunity in the church undermines this primary calling that we have to be a witness to the world that Jesus Christ was sent by the Father. How important is unity? <laughs> as important as it gets. And the glory, he goes on, he says, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Did you know that God's glory, his excellence, a word can be translated excellence or grace or majesty, those are experienced in community. According to this verse, Jesus connects the experience of the glory of God to living in oneness with other believers, to living in community. I love experiencing God in, uh, with my body, you know, sensations or manifestations. It doesn't happen often for me, but it does happen from time to time. I have, I have experienced powerful manifestations um, falling down, unable to get up, uh, deep laughter, weeping. Uh, um, but spiritual feelings is not what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying glory is experienced when we live in community. And it's one of the most important ways we experience God. It's living in community. It's a crazy idea that God created the church so that you could come in and experience the glory of God when you gather together, when you commit to live your life together in community. And it says that they may be perfect, may be made perfect in this unity, in this oneness, in this community. Perfect means to be complete, to be mature. And I like that uh, one 
Greek dictionary says, to be brought to the goal. Unity is a win, church. It's a spiritual touchdown. When we, when we do life together well, it's, it's reaching the goal. This is the goal, that they may be made perfect in unity. So our level of maturity, your level of maturity as an individual, and our level of maturity as a local church, and the level of maturity of Christians, uh, uh, the capital C church, is directly related to how well we live in community, how, how much we as individuals, as a church, are committed and involved in the Christian community that we're placed. You cannot separate spiritual maturity from spiritual community. All right? This is the way we experience God. This is the way we find uh, 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 perfection. Now, Now, keep in mind, this doesn't mean that everyone in the community is perfect. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Spouses, nudge your partner. <laughs> it doesn't mean we're all perfect, nor does it mean that the community is perfect, that, that the community lacks problems or conflicts or difficulties. No, actually, I think that's part of it. That's how we reach maturity is when we have to overcome difficulties together. It causes us, it drives us, it forces us into greater intimacy if we choose to stick to it and not run away from it. It means that when we put community above our own preferences and fight to preserve the unity against every form of division, we win. And, and saints, I just want to encourage you, you know, I don't like wearing a mask, but this is a small price to pay to be in the building together with you, to sing together. And last night I was a vine, I found out, I discovered I could sing with a mask on. <laughs> and I was the loudest one in the room. All right? Yeah. And for a season, uh, you know, if it means at the price, and so I understand if you don't like masks, if, if, of course, if you have, have high risk factors, we strongly encourage you to not attend and to stay at home and live stream. Or if you're uncomfortable, we encourage you. But if it's just the mask, pay the price and, and join together in unity and encourage one another. People, this is going on longer than I thought it would, and some people are getting discouraged, and we need to see eye to eye. And thank God, this, 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 is, this is a small price to pay for the richness of coming and worshiping God together. And I'm grateful from some of my friends, pastor churches, where their countries are not allowing any gathering whatsoever. Or they're allowing gathering, but even with masks, they're not allowed to sing. And so there are churches that are struggling with far greater limitations, and this is a small price to pay. And so when we become community, <clears throat> when we do this, when we, when we put and fight, uh, put the, the, uh, the priority of community above our own preferences, and we, and we fight to preserve uh, unity against whatever form of division, that, that's when we make that win. That's when we become the community Christ died to obtain, all right? And to me, it's worth it. So it was a prayer of Christ. It was a practice of the early church. And this is a familiar verse. If you are uh, around here much, I, I use this verse all the time. This is a snapshot of what the early church looked like. It says they continued steadfastly. That means they didn't stop. They were faithful 
in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord, this is the unity that we're talking about in the temple as well as house to house, that continued daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's, a, that's how the church functioned in the first century. And that's why it grew so rapidly. Um, the, everyone in the community and in, in the society saw that they loved one another. Uh, community was experienced in the church through fellowship. That's, that's uh, 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 just giving your life to one another, sharing meals. It's a great experience. Being together in the same place, having all things in common, actually uh, literally giving. Uh, if someone has a need and you have they what they need, you just give it to them. <clears throat> meeting in homes, meeting in the temple. This is a daily practice of the church. And really what it pictures is a genuine and very real way of doing life together. Church means doing life together. And you know what? As Americans, we're really lousy at this. Other countries, you know I travel, I see how life works in other countries, and they're better at it. We can get by because we're, we're so rich in so many ways, and we're so convenient. We can pick up our phone and in an hour have... Someone drop off everything we need from the grocery store at our door, you know, which is great. But uh, we can get so isolated, we lack even the understanding of what it means to do life together. Before the pandemic, the average church-attending Christian in America, this is not just a person who calls himself a Christian, this is a member of a church, attended church on average 1.7 times a month. Not even twice a month. That was the average before the pandemic. I would say with the current limitations and gathering due to health concerns, what's going to happen? A lot of pastors are having this, this, this conversation, and, we're, and I am, and, and I'm talking with people, I'm also talking to God. I'm like, God, what's it going to look like uh, when this is over? Because people are getting into new habits and those habits don't include the sacrifice of making time to gather together in community. And that's why I strongly encourage, come to church and be willing to put up with the price of wearing a mask or watch the live stream and participate. Actually, I, I actually preferred it when we weren't gathering because more people commented. I got so much more feedback from my sermons on the live stream. Most Sundays, one, maybe two people will say, that was a good word. But during the sermon, you know, on the live stream, great point, wow. <laughs> and so that means there's, there's interaction, right? We must find ways to do life together while still being wise and respectful of the health concerns. I don't have the answers. Nobody has the answers. This is new territory, folks. Figure out a way. As I, as I was driving in uh, the church this morning, you know, we've, uh, as a staff, made an effort to call people regularly. But I just challenge you, if you're part of New Day Community Church, 
would you maybe just maybe one day, once a day reach out to someone else in the church somehow, text, a, a Facebook message, a phone call, in some way, connect with not the same person every day. If, someone, if God puts someone's, you know, gosh, it's been a long time since I've seen Jerry, I'll send him a message. Okay, And if we all do this, everybody's going to get cared for. And you know what? It makes you the church. All right? And it's easy. And remember, this too shall pass. I want when this, when this ends, when we can go back to uh, uh, life in a more normal sense, that we step back into a robust Christian community. All right? That we're not starved and weak because we've been neglected but we're actually stronger because we've pressed through the uh, difficulties. And we can do this if you choose to respond to it in the right way. Um, It requires maintaining relationship at any cost and prioritizing our faith and our faith community. In some ways, certainly praying. Pray for those prayer requests as they come through. Pray for one another. Make a list of people to pray for. Include people in the church, people in your neighborhood, your family, people you're trying to win to the Lord. Giving regularly, and and thank you for being faithful in your giving, and continue to do so, and sow into the kingdom, and and prioritize that as a sacrifice, as a way that you participate. Actually, the word fellowship means, part of what it means is your share, your contribution, and it actually refers to financial contribution as well as other forms of contribution. And in participating, find ways to keep involved. And it's more difficult now, but that means uh, it's, it, it, I believe that the payback will be better. You know, the more difficult, the more you put into something, the more you get out of it. And so because it's more difficult, I believe that we can get more out of it. And by not giving in to the, the, the pull of allowing church and our connections to our faith community fade away, that's the easy response. It's real easy just to let things slip. And uh, I know this from years of pastoring. If someone stops attending regularly for whatever reason, after a few weeks, let alone a few months, it's just easier not to overcome the awkwardness of coming back. Because people ask, well, where have you been? You know, And it's just easier to fade away. And too many people fade away. Saints, I, I plead with you, don't fade away. And, and we, as a pastor, I can only, only do so much. Uh, but uh, uh, my prayer is that you stay connected. And uh, let's find ways to be the oneness that Christ died to make us. And this reflects also our position in Christ. It's the prayer of Jesus. It was the practice of the early church. And it's our position in Christ. What does this mean? Uh, In Galatians, Paul explains it to the church this way. There is neither Jew nor Greek. That means there's no ethnic division. There is neither slave nor free. That means there's no division based on economic uh, status. There is neither male nor female. That means there is no division between gender in the kingdom. You are all one in Christ Jesus. It's the same oneness that Jesus was praying for. It's the same oneness that we saw practiced by the church in Acts. 
Here he's saying this oneness breaks down racial division, breaks down economic divisions, breaks down gender divisions. And Ephesians uh, 2, it's explained even more uh, thoroughly and theologically. It says, he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made both, and the word both there, you need to read the whole context of the uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. He's referring to the Jewish uh, uh, people, the descendants of Abraham, and Gentiles, who were the Gentiles, all other races, okay? So Jesus has made both this major racial division that actually defined the Jewish culture and nation and religion um, and their behavior on a day-to-day basis. The Bible says Jesus made peace with that and made both one. He united this, this, this vast difference of race and ethnicity and, 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 and practices, their lifestyle even, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Everything that separated the races, he broke it down, abolished in his flesh the enmity, the division, the strife, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself, in Jesus, one new man from the two. This is the new creation that Christ accomplished in his death on the cross, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both. And again, he's talking specifically about the Jewish-Gentile division, but it applies to all racial inequity and all racial divisions, he brought us together, all humanity, to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit uh, to the Father. So this is what Jesus accomplished, this amazing level of unity in his church that uh, overcomes racial, economic, and gender divisions. Jesus accomplished on the cross when he bore our sin and he died in our place. Jesus came into a world just as torn by racism, nationalism, religious division, economic disparity, gender equality, and every other form of oppression that we see today. Come on. It was actually far worse. All right? We don't ignore those problems. Actually, Christ stepped right into the middle of them and in his body brought the two together. The church, I believe this deeply with all my heart. I haven't seen it, but I've been fighting for it for for decades. The church is where victory over these divisions are able uh, and are intended to be overcome. And let me just say, the church, uh, in the sense of everyone, uh, you know, every church that has the name church on their building or, you know, every religious Christian organization has struggled with lots of divisions in all of these categories. And so I haven't seen it on that level, but I have seen 
powerfully the church, and that means genuine believers practicing their faith, uh, overcome all kinds of barriers. Just a few examples. <laughs> Mitko and I are the same age, all right? Mitko was part of the, you remember Pastor Mitko? All right, Bulgarian guy. And so he grew up in the Soviet Union. When I was a kid, the Soviets were the big enemy. We were afraid. There was fear that uh, that there would be a a nuclear apocalypse that they would invade. They were the enemy. They were taught how to kill us. All right? And here is Mitko, same age, growing up on that side of the the. Iron Curtain, and, and I on this side of the Iron Curtain. And we were so different. But now, we're like brothers. Like, we really like each other. Why? Because of Christ. When I visited Ukraine, and, and I was with all these Russians, and they spoke Russian, <laughs> interpreter. But I was shocked that we were one in spirit. When I go to Japan, and I'm with uh, uh, Japanese believers, there's a unity. It's just instantaneous. In every culture that I've gone to, when you meet with another Christ follower, there's unity that overcomes every obstacle if we allow it. And so the church can, and the church is intended to be the place where this holy community is formed. Jesus in his flesh abolished the enmity, the division. The enmity means division, discord. Uh, He abolished the racism, the nationalism, and every other ism that is a manifestation of the flesh and of sin. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he took the penalty of that sin in his body. And he died and he took it to the grave and he buried it there. And when he rose from the dead, he left all that sin and enmity and discord in the grave and he walked out and he declared his victory over it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus reconciled everyone in one body on the cross. Do you know that this, is, this message was why many of the Jewish people were offended by this? Because they didn't want to be reconciled with those dirty, evil Gentiles. They had been trained, and it was actually a misinterpretation of Old Testament uh, that they were trained in. But Jesus did this on the cross in his body. Division ends and community begins when we bow before Christ and lay down our rights and our lives. When we bow before Jesus on that cross, when we recognize it was our sin as well as their sin or their sin or his sin or her sin, whoever we're upset with, equally, it was our sin that caused him to die on the cross and we lay down our rights. When we rise up like Jesus rose up in the resurrection power of newness of life, and begin to live in genuine peace with those who look different, act different, talk different. <laughs> I was just in Tennessee. They taught me all these words I didn't know, like leprin, some leprin, that's some leprin food. I think it's leprin. <laughs> they taught me a bunch of words I didn't know. They were literally, whole different words, and they were English. <laughs> 
Even people that believe differently, we can have unity, we can have peace. Why? Because Jesus accomplished it on the cross. This is where we are positioned. This is, this is the perspective from which we need to see every form of division or unity or strife. We look at it from the perspective of the cross. When Jesus looked down and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's not judging others because they're doing something wrong. That's speaking forgiveness over them and being willing to die to bring them into unity. Do you see the difference? What I mean by community is our position in Christ. And our challenge is to live this out in a way that accurately reflects it in our day. And it is challenging. It is challenging. There's no kidding. Uh, How can we create a Christ-shaped community? A community that is shaped by Jesus' death on the cross, willing to embrace all of mankind, not because they're worth it, not because they are behaving correctly, but because he paid the price and he deserves the praise of every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. That's the community that we're called to live. That's the community that I hope we as New Day Church embrace between one another and display in our community. What can you, what can we do this week to make peace through the power of the cross? How many, how many have heard, you know, some things going on where there's not peace? Yeah. Is there any enmity that's lingering that you might be able to pierce through and share the love of Christ today or this week? Is there some enmity in our community that you can actually do something like saying a prayer or waving or walking across the street and introducing yourself or being nice to someone that you would normally just walk past? Something that we can do to share the love of Christ uh, to break down and destroy the enmity that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross accomplished. Like Jesus, we're to be the peacemakers, willing to die to set others free. Saints, let's go, do, and be Christ in our community. I'm going to have Pastor Bill come up and close the service.